Welcome to Breaking Down Bits, a conversation about great comedy bits with the comedians who wrote and performed them. Hey, welcome to Breaking Down Bits. I'm Brian Gendron. I'm Drew Jordan. We're glad to have you back still rocking on this Breaking Down Bits train. A great interview ready for you today. We're going to have a lot of fun. Uh, don't forget, we're still doing our, our weekly um, virtual feedback mic. You can hop in there uh, each week on Tuesday, 9 Eastern. Love to have you if you got some jokes to work out or if uh, you're not able to get a lot of mics wherever you're at. That's a great one to get into. You get to work with some great writers. Absolutely. 930 Eastern every Tuesday. You can email us at breakingdownbits at gmail.com. Hit us on social media and we will get you up on that mic. Hey, let's talk about our last episode, man. A lot of fun with Steven Rogers. Uh, good time to get into callbacks. You got one? I do. I don't want to steal yours. We didn't. We didn't pre-talk about this. Um, I'll do that. I'll. I'll take one that I don't think you guessed because it's really simple. But I just love the way that he talked about writing with friends. I think a lot of times as comics, we were so locked into being a solo act and our own thing. Yeah, you know, maybe we, sometimes we uh, we we miss some opportunities to get some feedback from other good writers that we respect. Do some co-writing. I mean, on obviously, as he talks about in the last episode. You want everything to come from your voice. That's obviously a thing that you you don't want to use someone else's tag if it's something you would never, ever say. But um, co-writing has been one of the most fun things for me and uh, got some fun tags, even from some of my friends who aren't even comics. I'll just like call them up and and, and just chat with them about a topic or a thing and, and, and stuff they say, questions that they ask. It's just fun. And I think Steven does a good job of that and talks uh, a fair amount about that in the episode. You didn't think I would guess that because you don't think I have friends. Is what it, I, yeah. I knew. I know. All right. Step one, step one, get friends. And then step two, write with friends. Uh, <laughs> no, I, what I did, I found something different. He talked about writing for the questions you think the audience will have. Right. Isn't that, it's, it's just answer the questions that they have. And he's, he admitted, he's like, that's mostly anxiety. Cause I don't want them to actually ask the questions during the show, <laughs> but it's a cool way to write. And it, and it, and it, you know, it, it really uncovers all of those angles that you might not think of. So uh, when you're writing in those groups of friends, you know, have them ask you, prompt them with questions about your material. I think that could help you grow your, your, your material out. Yeah. All right. Yeah, so go check out that episode and all of our episodes. Uh, that last one was with Stephen Rogers, and we've got 38 others. Uh, you can find that at BreakingDownBits.com and, of course, all of the podcast platforms and YouTube. All right, man. You want to do it? Want to bring in our guest? Yeah, let's do it. Seattle native Dustin Nickerson is a comic currently suffering in Southern California. In addition to being featured on Comedy Central and Netflix by Kevin Hart, he's been seen on Fox, The Grand Old Opry, PBS Comedy Hour, Hulu, and is heard regularly on Sirius XM. He's known for bringing audiences into his life through jokes on struggles of parenting, marriage, and generally being annoyed by most people. His special, Overwhelmed, was released on Amazon November of 2020 and is now also available on YouTube. Hey. All right. All right. <laughs> that guy sounds great. The mustache is back. 
The mustache, yeah. I know, you know, it's uh, it's here to stay at this point. Oh, okay. Do you shave it for that special on purpose? I didn't have it then. It's oh, uh, yeah, the mustache is, uh, is a post post special. I emerged, I emerged from the pandemic looking like this. <laughs> I mean, we're still absolutely in the middle of it. You're not in Texas. <laughs> yeah, we are elsewhere. That was like two years ago. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> one weekend off. <laughs> it was a long. It was a long weekend. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, four day weekend. Well beyond yeah. just a normal three day weekend. You guys flatten the curve. Good job. <laughs> <laughs> well, welcome to the show, Dustin. The way this works is we like to hear a bit about your early early start in comedy, how you got into it, and then uh, maybe tell us a little bit about your career and some of the breaks you've had along the way. Yeah, you know, um, I was a late starter for stand up. I started when I was twenty seven. I had two kids at the time. Uh, had been married for nine years, was just meandering in different career things, but always loved stand-up and wanted to always try it. And that's kind of where the romance of the story kind of starts and ends in some ways because I literally just did it and was like, oh, I love doing this, and then just kept doing it. Like I just went to an open mic and then just kept going to open mics. And, you know, the great thing about stand-up is it's a very – um, you know, the, to get good at it, you just do it. It's not, there isn't, of, of course there is some things like, you know, God given abilities or whatever, but it's not like that in sports where there's no like advantage, like being tall or something like that. There's none of that. It really is just like, just go, just keep doing it. Do it, do it, do it, do it, do it, do it. And I just kind of kept doing it. And, you know, obviously did both the jobs for, you know, five, six, seven years, went full time a few years ago. And, um, you know, as far as breaks go, you know, I'm still waiting on them. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the, I had a, a comedian friend tell me a while back and he goes, he said about 90 percent of what you get in your career will come from other comics. And that has been true. Plus 10 percent, 100 of <laughs> the good breaks and opportunities I've gotten in my com in my career have come from other comics, not reps, not industry, whatever I'm selling industry is not buying. I don't get the showcases. I've never, uh, even my TV appearances were, I was picked by other comics, you know, like that was, um, my special was produced by a comic. My biggest videos were filmed by shows at com. It's all been other comics. And, uh, so I say that, uh, you know, some of it is like the, you know, the chip on the shoulder of like, hey, man, industry does not care at all about what I'm doing. Uh, but also I'm I'm grateful that comics care about what I'm doing. Yeah. Do you do choose one or the other? If you as a comic or as an artist of any type, if you could choose, you only get one or the other industry or your peers. You're going to take peers every time you'd get more money with <laughs> industry, <laughs> at least in the short term. Um, but the, the breaks I have gotten, I've obviously been like, you know, the Comedy Central thing was cool. And, um, you know, but like that stuff just doesn't matter as much anymore. Like you can I was in oh. green room the other day where an agent was telling his client that late night doesn't matter at all. But, you know, I've had a couple big videos on YouTube that have helped push out the career and help get me in front of some eyes. And, um, you know, I don't even know who to thank for that comics or Lord of the YouTube algorithms. I don't know. <laughs> Hard to say. Are there some intentional things that you've done or that you do 
uh, being someone who maybe doesn't have and doesn't get a lot of opportunity from industry and you have to kind of blaze your own path and do your own thing. Have you found some successful things that have worked for you to kind of make sure that you're, you're getting out there and people are finding out about you? Yeah. I mean, um, yes. I mean, I'm not talented enough to not work hard. I don't have whatever it is that just gets to coast. Um, and not a lot of people do, but I, um, you know, I think of, I think of my career more like a farmer. Like I just go out every day and just throw some seeds. I do sets. I write new jokes. I record them. I post clips. I do podcasts. I post, I post a new podcast every Tuesday. I post a new YouTube video every Sunday. I post three to four reels or TikToks throughout the week. I do five to 10 sets throughout the week. How much it's very much like a farmer, like mentality. And and when people use that like career, like breakthrough, I always think that like, at least for my career, and I think this is the landscape for comedy now in general, it's not really like big breakthrough moments. We're all more like Andy from Shawshank, just chipping away. Each <laughs> you know, like just every night, just, okay. Okay. Maybe I got a bigger piece out of the wall today than I got yesterday, but you know, and then, you, and then even when you get through, you still have to go, you know, uh, crawl through 500 yards of crap. So <laughs> very glamorous what we're doing out here. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think like you said in the beginning, the, the people that, that are successful are the ones that don't quit basically like, it's just it's about hanging in there. And, you know, we've seen it in our in our even in Houston, just the, the local right. comic scene. There's, there's a guy won't name his name. But uh, when we first saw him a couple of years ago, he was terrible. And right. and we would go into the room to watch his sets because they were because we just couldn't imagine how it could possibly be worse. Yeah. And then now, two or three years later, the guy's really getting funny and he's really right. he's, he's put the work in. And it's like it doesn't matter. Yeah, where you start if you put the work in, you can you make some real progress, and like and the guy's doing great now. So I mean, it's it's kind of you can't you can't uh, crap on anyone for not being great when they start because if they put the work in, anybody can get there. Yeah, yeah, and then some of them don't get any better, and that's fun too. <laughs> <laughs> you're, like, you're just going to the mics, and you're like, man, ten years, ten years, <laughs> you are still going with that. God bless you. But though, that's just that to me, that's as much a part of the comedy scene as the people that do make it. That's where this weird yeah. band of rejects and you know, like <laughs> just gypsies and degenerates and weirdos, and uh, and I like it. Yeah. So, so we've seen, I've been able to see a little bit behind the scenes of your hard work, Dustin, because uh, we're partnering on a show uh, that's coming up next week, September 3rd, I believe, uh, here in Houston, The Riot. And y'all, you, you pre-sale better than almost anybody that we've done, we've worked with. Oh, great. Uh, yeah. And, and, you know, it's, it's no different. We, we market the same way. We have TV credits and all the stuff you talked about earlier and all that stuff, but, but y'all are doing something special. So, or, you know, different and, and hard work. So, would you mind pulling back the curtain and telling us why you think that is, why you're selling good in these markets or, uh, you know, what's your theory or what is, what are you doing? That's different. Yeah. You know that, you know, that's a good example. I mean, I me mean Zoltan, uh, that show that we're doing, I'm co-headlining with one of my best friends and, and one of my heroes in comedy, Zoltan Cassis. It's like mm -hmm. when I started Zoltan was a God and still is. I mean, mm -hmm. that guy Zoltan Cassis is, Un, is the single most underrated comic working. And there's not even a close second in the sense that people go, well, they'll, people will be like, well, what about, and then they'll name somebody famous, mm -hmm. which 
the point is not enough people have heard from him. That guy so quietly puts out an amazing hour every year. It's incredible. I, when we did these tour, we were talking about, it, I was like, I'll agree to these Zoltan. I will not follow you. Not one time. It's like, no, we'll take turns. It's like, not one time. You're going to write a new 15 minutes on the flight there. That's better than anything I've ever written. I have no interest in following. But what uh, I have in a lot of ways, you know, Zoltan and I, you know, we looked to, um, we looked a lot to the the Kyle Canaan's of the world, the the Doug Stanhopes of the world, the 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 comics that paved a unique path. And sure, they took the opportunities as they were given to them, but they never relied on the opportunities. And they they sought out like when we say industry, a lot of the time we're talking about the venues themselves. And Texas is a good example. Even though I have a decent amount of fans in each city that we're playing, I couldn't get those venues to book me. And I was like, okay, well, let's go find what other independent things that we have that are a better option anyways. Better for you guys, better for us. It's probably better for those clubs anyways because, you know, when you build these big rooms, these monstrosity rooms like the Houston – I don't know how big the Houston Improv is. Massive. It's massive. That's how most – and a lot of – you know, and some improvs do play me, and I'm happy to do it, but you can't – you can't bring me in for a weekend there. Like if I, if I, on most markets right now, I can move about a hundred to 200 tickets, which on a Wednesday is pretty good. Or at a Friday at your place with Zoltan. Amazing. We're all happy. And, um, but if you sell a hundred to 200 tickets at a 400 seat room over five <laughs> shows, I mean, everyone's losing money every single, cause the model is not really built for us. What stand up comedy doesn't have a lot of is like a working class. We have open micers and and door guys and openers and like that's and, and people who are trying to make their way. And then we have rich and famous comedians who can sell a lot of tickets. And there's not a lot of us in the middle. And so for me, it's hey, if we've got a venue or a club that wants to play ball in an area, great, we'll do that. But if not, you know, we'll find an independent venue or I'm doing a lot right now. What we're kind of marketing as like a school night headliner. Like I'm going to a lot of these clubs and doing a Wednesday and doing a Sunday. And instead of it being a mediocre five shows, we have one really great show. The club makes more money. I make more money. The fans have a good time. Cause think about it. Like if you're a fan of a, of a band and you went there and there's like way less people than you expected. You're like, ah, oh, this isn't, because this person means a lot to me here. And I, I, I thought there'd be more people. Or say you were going to see a band that you really liked and they were like, and everybody around you had never even heard of that band. And they're there and because they got free tickets because there was birthday, it was their birthday month. Like that's a bad show. <laughs> so I think uh, where I'm kind of at right now, I feel good chipping away. And I think the more that you bring people into that, like I'm fairly self-deprecating in my promotion um, like I did a post a couple months back about, I uh, like here, you know, a lot of comics are posting about like all their sold out shows and I posted like little updates next to them. And it was like <laughs> plenty of seats available <laughs> to be able to buy them at the door. I think on Indies, I just said like, uh Oh, <laughs> and I think people like that. I think they, they, um, uh, especially with me, at least they like, they like when people kind of cut through the BS of it all and then like, okay, this is, this is real. They like feeling like they're watching the, the struggle and the come up. 
I love I love getting talk getting to talk to comics kind of in your position because you are you know kind of in a working class like it's you're not getting a lot of industry stuff handed to you like you said so you're having to make it work and you're kind of maybe just a few steps ahead of maybe some of the guys that are maybe listening to this podcast right now like what are you doing uh, if you and tell me if it's not cool to get into it too deeply but like financially. Where, where are you seeing the biggest income and what's working for you to keep you uh, an independent going right. comic? You know, you got the Sirius XM stuff that's coming in. You're doing, right. you're touring, you got a podcast. What's, yeah. what's working for you? Other than unemployment? <laughs> <laughs> no. no, we had to get off that a while ago. Um, the it's, yeah, I mean, for the comics listening, it really is about creating as many revenue streams as possible. So like serious is great. You know, that's, you know, I mean, if I think about our various, it's like you name them, you know, like you get to a point where, okay, I had a, I had a big video on YouTube. So that monetized my YouTube. Great. So now I'm getting Google money and I'm getting YouTube money or that's the same thing. YouTube money, serious money, Spotify money. That's very little money, but mm -hmm. there are, you know, there's as many mailbox money, right? Is what it's called. We have a different passive income. People are consuming the content. It's like an investment. It's all kind of out there working mm -hmm. for itself. Gigs wise, you do, once you get to the point that you do make some, you have some fans, you do need to like strategically figure out what's the best way to monetize those fans. Those fans, if you have 50 fans in Sacramento, you want those 50 fans to buy a 10 to $15 ticket and maybe a shirt at the end of it. So you can maximize that. Otherwise you're going into the venue. Like if you just go play a one nighter there and they pay you $200, but 50 of the people, they were there, bought a ticket to see you. You just got hosed. Those were fans who gave their money to somebody else other than you. So it is kind of, and there are ways to do that through your, your podcast numbers and your YouTube number, your Instagram followers. The, all those things tell you where your fans are. They tell you where people who follow you are. Mm -hmm. Also, you know, for most comedians, especially on the come up, you have to find something other than clubs. To, to pay your bills for a while. And not, not a lot of comics talk about that because it's not like a, it's a very, it's not like a cool artist thing to do, you know, <laughs> but it's always one of the other C's, right? Like clubs or excuse me, like uh, corporates, uh, colleges, churches, or cruises. Like those are usually how, because the, the, the money is so much better in those. For one, mm -hmm. you can make so much more on those. The gigs are way less. They're wor way worse. They're never good. <laughs> but, you know, there is really something to finding, like, is there a place within, can I start booking some corporate gigs? Can I, you know, I remember it was, um, you know, early on when I started, I reached out to the Chamber of Commerce. I was like, hey, can I come do 15 minutes at a meeting? And that led to, like, five corporate gigs. Just, like, stuff like that. Very, like... How can I get in front of buyers? All of those gigs were terrible, but they all paid me like 500 bucks, which at the time was like, that's like an, an, I can't believe that someone just gave me that. I felt like I had ripped them off, you know, <laughs> and I probably had based on how they <laughs> But, you know, finding those different things, some people find it with colleges and other people go out on the cruise ships, you know, there's, there's gotta, it takes a long time to build fans for most people, but, um, 
you know, you've got to, you've got to like, uh, uh, I had a comic friend told me that too. Like if you get fans, you win. The whole goal is fans. Like funny is the first goal, but fans is the career goal. Cause you can just, now you, now you control things once you have a fan base, which is why if I were to tell people to focus on any of the two, uh, if you if you could only pick two social medias to build, I would I would say YouTube and TikTok, because their algorithms put you in front of new people, mm. and the other ones don't. Instagram and Facebook, you see who you follow, with the exception of like big viral videos. But TikTok and YouTube, with their suggestions, especially TikTok, where you're not even there's no the landing page is people that you may or may not follow. And a lot of my views on YouTube are the same where it's like, I just got suggested because, you know, Lord Algo blessed me. <laughs> and I played yeah. the right too, as far as like, you know, making sure I named a certain thing and put certain keywords in. I mean, it's, it's a YouTube's very hard because it's like a search engine. So yeah. anyway, I don't know if that's what you wanted, but I, yeah. I could, I could talk about this all day. <laughs> that's, that's huge. I mean, in the beginning you talked about getting, you know, getting good, you know, getting to as many mics you can. And then also to your, to your point about how your breaks came, making friends, making friends with comics in the scene and in, in other cities and all that stuff. And then once you have the material, you have to flip that because that's, that becomes sort of active income. That's just doing any show you can get on, making a little bit of money here and there. Then you, you have enough material to make it, uh, uh, and then of course moving it into the three, the four seeds, as you put it, which is really smart. Uh, and then making it into passive, uh, which, and, mm -hmm. and, and an understanding what I really liked is, uh, growing your fan base. And then you really get into the algorithms and the data. So where are these fans? How do you reach these fans? Mm -hmm. And then being very intentional about where you go and where your active income goes to, to, to reach these fans at a, at a, at a more personal level. Right. And, and, and some of it will be through touring. Like if, a comedy club reaches out and wants to break, bring you out there to go do the full weekend. Then you go do the full weekend knowing that, you know, like these people will come see me again. But even that, how are you capitalizing after the show? How are you capturing their information? Are you getting an email address? Like right now I'm out here in Madison with Taylor Tomlinson and every person after the show, here's a card to my YouTube special. Go watch this. Mm -hmm. You know, like am I, if they have interest to come follow me and get my information or, 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 you know, do a next step, I'm making that available for them. I cannot count. You know how good you have to be as an opener to, to last with somebody for them to even remember you were on yes. the show. I mean, you have to be, that's the blessing and the curse of the opening is if you, you do great, they forget about you. But if you do bad, they forget about you too. So either way, you're being forgotten. But <laughs> those of you that want those that want to remember you, give them an opportunity. And that goes for headlining dates and opening dates. You have all these people that uh, you know, it's uh they're they're right there in front of you. It's probably been more of a blessing than a curse for me, I'll say. <laughs> so, yeah, just wipe that from your memory. Just remember the headliner. I'll be hiding in the curtains later. I mean, I've I've spent a lot of this last year touring with Taylor and it's been a really blessing to um you know because I put it out special in November we filmed it in September and I feel like I have pretty close to an, a new hour it's not ready by any sense um but I felt like you know that opening spot is if you need to do a good job like but it is a very comfortable little writing womb to be in you know yeah. Yeah. If you don't mind me asking, I'm super, I'm super nerd for YouTube. I'm, I've really gotten into this. I've really enjoyed it. I've been doing 
vlogs and I've done some skits and I did some pandemic stuff and I've really enjoyed it. So I'd love to, for other people, other comics who are trying to find those other elements. So let's say, you know, I'm a comic that does not have an hour special to post on, uh, on YouTube. We're not there yet. Right. Now we probably won't be for a while. Um, what was your strategy before you had that hour? Was it, was it clips? How, how regularly were you posting? Yeah. Give us a couple of your YouTube tips that they can, t that comics can take away to kind of grow their following. Right. And I'm not like some guru on this. I'm not some big YouTube comic, you know, I've had a couple of videos do really well. I have like 17,000 subscribers, like and that, but the majority of that, when I say the majority, I mean, 95% of the views have happened in the last six months. Oh, nice. So it's been, and, and subs. It's and did you, did you promote these or did you just post it and it just kind of organically happened? Did you, did post, you I had one big video that built everything else up. Gotcha. And that is kind of how it happens for a lot of people. Like mm -hmm. there's one and then maybe a little bit later there's other, but once one is in the algorithm, once one is in this, the machine, mm -hmm. the machine wants I mean, the goal of they want you to stay on. They want people yeah. on YouTube to stay on. So if they think that this is any way related, I mean, I got a comment the other day that said, like, I'm here because I was watching Bill Burr clips, which I was like, great. Somebody's watching Bill Burr clips and this showed up fantastic. Like, that means I'm in the system <laughs> of people who are watching stand up comedy. This is going to land here, you know? That's good. So, I tried a bunch of different things. I posted some stand-up stuff. I had posted uh, during the pandemic. I was trying like maybe like some sketch stuff. And I was doing this like little writing thing called send news where I was just like riffing <laughs> on news and stuff like, but that, and that was a good writing exercise and stuff. But ultimately, you know, I wanted to be known as a stand-up and I always like wanted to, it to be primarily stand-up. So once we kind of started touring again, I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do it consistently. So for me, my, your audience has to know it's when you're going to post like, or have an idea of your steadiness. So for me, I tell them every Sunday, uh, you'll get a new clip from me every Sunday. Now I might post something else too. Like I might do a short cause those are new on there. So people mm -hmm. are playing around with those. I might, um, you know, I'm, uh, we're kind of like setting up a podcast studio right now to start posting clips from the pod. Cause so many pod views are on YouTube right now. It's wild. It's like, is this even an audio form anymore? It seems like it's <laughs> like, it has to be visual too. And, but, uh, that's, that's it for me. Like, it's just the consistency of like, this is when we do it. And, and that's what YouTube wants from you. Like the algorithm itself, they want you to be consistent, but mm -hmm. the people who are big, big on there, I mean, that's what they do. Like my, the guy who produced my special and has probably helped me more than any one comic, or at least he's in the discussion is Kev on stage, Kevin Fredericks. And Somebody goes, uh, people ask me all the time, like, how did you get big on YouTube? And he goes, I posted a video every day for 10 years. And that's it. Wow. That's mm -hmm. if you want to know what it is, it's and it doesn't have to be every day, but it does have to be that level of consistency. And that's kind of what I tell myself now of like, I don't I wouldn't ever <laughs> miss a podcast week. And now Sunday is another deadline for YouTube that I, I have to post something, whether it's an old clip or it's, um, you know, a crowd work clip or it's a material thing or it's something like that. I, I've got to, I've got to be consistent. And that's, I mean, that's a writing technique as well that we hear a lot of comics talk about, uh, volume. Uh, you know, sometimes you just have to, you just have to write 
so much and then whatever works you keep and you just you get a lot of good material just by throwing something against the wall and see what happens yeah, yeah. And, and you also have to be like less married to your material now it's mm -hmm. which is like hard as a comic but i don't know a couple things happen one you're like I think the old mantra, and this was like the, and what do I know? I'm just a nobody. Like the, <laughs> like the old mantra of like Louie doing the every hour and the Seinfeld having the act and people talk about you have to have an hour and, and then you get right the new hour. Like if for 99.9% .9 of comics, no one's asking for your hour. Yeah. Nobody, nobody wants to see your hour. Nobody <laughs> is like, man, give me that next Dustin Nickerson. They don't, they don't consume. They're not, they don't, it's, it's, it's it, to sit down and watch an hour thing is a task. It's a mm -hmm. huge ordeal. Like that's like asking people like, Oh man, I can't wait to like, it's like making a movie for people. That's so long. And yeah. so I think we get more caught up in that mm. than most as far as needing to post that. So I've, I've tried to be, less attached to material, especially anything that is somewhat timely, somewhat topical. Like I get that as soon as I have a good looking clip, I post it, but I don't necessarily stop doing it live because a, if they saw, if, if they saw it, and that's a big, if I Seinfeld said this, he's like, you got to be pretty full of yourself to think that everybody <laughs> has seen all of your stuff. Yeah. And that is true. That is a hundred percent true. I like if they've seen it, a, they still like it, like because they like that joke, and now they hear it again. And B, as long as they haven't heard everything in your hour, like the majority of they haven't heard, they see that you're writing. They know that yeah. it's you didn't. As long as you don't go up there and broadcast the same thing that they saw once before, the show is different. Like I had, a, I've, I have a couple vaccine jokes, like. And they're different. They're different they, than they, when I first wrote them. And I can feel that. Like I have a joke about the Johnson & Johnson not working and I knew it wasn't going to work. And, da, da, da. and But it's different than it was the first time. And they're like, so if they saw the clip, they're like, oh, I know this joke was coming. But then there's new nuggets yeah. and tags in there that weren't there before. That's It's still a good live show for them. So I don't know. I I've, And I think that that's the way that it is right now. I think that the I had a guy. A, a, this guy's actually a fairly big deal. He runs a massive promotion company. He like does most of the big concert or the comedy tours. And he said, like, he said, comics need to be not married to the material. They need to post, 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 post while they're trying to build fans. Post, 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 post. And he said, and everyone, they're all worrying, like, well, what if like, I get an opportunity for a special. And he goes, one, that's a big what if. And two, he goes, if your material was good enough to get you there, you will write another thing that is good enough when the opportunity comes. And he's exactly mm. right. It's like you're kind of mm. handicapping yourself to yeah. be like, oh, well, I'll never write this good thing again. And you, <laughs> will. you absolutely will. And it'll actually be better because I don't know any comic that doesn't like hate their first hour. Yeah. <laughs> and and speaking of writing we need to we need to get into this but since we're um kind of approaching our time limit here we definitely want to hear from you we always ask the comics as 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 plainly as you can put it you know in just a couple of minutes how does dustin nickerson write comedy yeah i'm not sure i don't have one way i don't uh I uh, I have I have a, an idea that I'll put in my phone. I'm just pulling it up right here. This will be uh, I have a folder right here that says uh, uh, next bits to try. So these are new ideas, and I'll write down an idea, 
um, like usually it's just the idea. Like I haven't written out the bit, you know, or so I need to remember this. So um, there'll be little notes like this, like uh, um, uh, the note says astrology and my body, my choice. Okay. So that <laughs> I know what that means. That's me. That's a thought that I had earlier today, which is we have a very upside down time in history right now where conservatives are using the my body, my choice argument, which is new for them. That's not usually their whole thing. Right. And then uh, there's a bunch of liberals who are telling me to trust the science who also believe <laughs> the I don't think that you can have both those things. So, so I write the idea down and then I'll try it on stage. And then what I'm looking for is not, is it funny? I'm looking for, do they resonate with the premise? That's what I want. Do they get the idea? And do uh, is this an idea that I want to, like I did, I wrote this one yesterday too, that the worst people on the planet aren't like anti-maskers. Uh, like if people don't want to wear a mask, I get it. And the people who are against it, I get it too. Like I totally understand where you're coming from. But the worst people in the world are the, the worst people in the world are the ones who take out that anger on frontline minimum wage employees. That's the worst human that we yeah. have. That's, and, I said, and, I, and I said, that is like me being unhappy with my child's education and taking it out on the third grade crossing guard. Like that <laughs> is like, it's just, and, and so that's a joke where the punchline isn't ready yet. Like that's, I'm not sure if the analogy is right yet, but the premise everybody feels because mm. it doesn't matter where you stand. We're all because even if you're an anti-masker, you see that person in Ross, you're like, dang it, man. Not <laughs> 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 and maybe even you guys laughing at that, I'm like, OK, well, maybe that's the tag. Maybe that's like this is who we like. There's a couple <laughs> people in society that we all hate. Like it's like that guy, the loud motorcycle guy. Like there's a couple people that we're all like, oh, gosh, you're ruining this for all of us, you know. How do you how do you measure that if the premise is resonating? Is it through, through some some laughter or what? Do you, what's your you measuring stick? You can yeah. totally feel it. It's okay. like a yeah, it's an energy thing. It's uh, like you can feel them kind of like starting to anticipate the laugh, and then you feel like you really let them down when you didn't have the. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but a lot of time I'll just say that I was like, okay, that's a new idea. I will make it funny, but I'm glad. There's one I've been working on for five years. I've been trying to come up with analogy that cell phones are just like cell phones are just like little kid blankets. Like, uh, like, like my daughter carries around this little emotional security blanket. It's covered in germs. It's disgusting <laughs> when she's anxious, when she's sad, when anytime she goes for that. And that's what we do with cell phones. And I have not been able to make that funny, but people love the premise. Mm -hmm. And I tried like a tweet, like I was like, oh, maybe if we call it binkies, maybe people will like that more. <laughs> it's an idea. I know people like the premise, but I just can't find the beats of it yet, the music of it yet. There's a there's a deep truth there for sure. Yeah, exactly. And that's and that's once you do that, like you we can write clever. Writing clever is fairly easy. You know, like you can sit down and just have creative writing exercises or ask a friend or something like that but really you want to write passion first you want to write an idea that you're passionate about and then and then when you can like find a common truth whether it be on a controversial issue like masks or on a ridiculous issue like you know something frivolous when you can find like that common truth it's very very and i would say that's probably one of 
maybe the driving force of what I try and do is stand up, which is to find like common truths and ideas that we all agree on, point out stuff that's stupid, point out behavior that's stupid, point out hypocrisy that's stupid, whether it's in myself or lawmakers or politicians or whoever it may be. That's like, that's the driving force of my comedy. I like that. Well, let's go ahead. Or I know we're short on time, so I'm going to go ahead and play a clip from your your specially released last November, Overwhelmed. We'll talk about it for a few minutes, and we'll let you out of here. Sweet. Thank you. People get so preachy about their dieting. That's what turns me off. I can't stand preachiness. I don't like when people oversell their weird thing. That's why I don't like essential oils. You guys familiar with essential oils? Yeah, some of you are twitching for your vials right now. Don't you dare. Don't you dare. All right, I got the vaccine right here in my pocket. Right here. We'll baptize you in peppermint. If you're not familiar with essential oils, I'll fill you in. It's this small cult that thinks whatever your life problem is can be fixed by their magic gypsy oil. That's all. You hear their pitch and they're like, okay, so I just rub this on my neck and that'll be good for my skin and my dog's anxiety. Okay. Oh, it's not supported anywhere in the medical community. Perfect. Oh, and it's a pyramid scheme. Keeps getting better. I just, I don't know. I, I, in general, you just hear people get so hyped about those things. There's a lot of shaming, too, right now on dad bods. I can't do it. I can't. To me, if you're a dad and you don't have a dad bod, then you might be a bad dad. <laughs> it's just a time management issue. Like, it takes a lot of time to be in good shape or a good parent. Every time, like, I, you, like you have to neglect your health or your children, one or the other. <laughs> Every time I see, like, some super ripped dad, I just get bummed out. It's like, those are just muscles that aren't hugging their kids, all right? Oh. <laughs> uh, so, so good. I, I, am, I am a fit dad, so, and I'm, I'm a good dad, damn it. <laughs> I'm an unfit undad. Yeah. Oh, man, what, it's what so that, funny when uh, my favorite part of that is that they clip the, you know, they, the pan to the one guy laughing right when they're like, you might, you know, that he's like when I'm talking about being out of shape and I know that guy. And I was like, I'm sorry that they cut to you there when you're like, hey, fat dad, fat dad. And he's like, hey. it's like the real sketch where they're like in the homosexual community. And he's like, no, 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 not me. <laughs> like being on the jumbotron. You're like, no, 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 no same <laughs> me, but yeah. Well, I, I chose this bit because the, I've been trying to write about essential oils. Cause if you went into my, my bathroom, my wife has a whole shelf dedicated yeah. to essential oils i'm like this is so silly uh and, I, and there's there's such a bit there and you, you've you've written about it but here's what's cool like it's not off limits for me i'm not like oh well dustin covered the the essential oil things because there's my unique situation with these oils and my you know my whole approach but you hit some of the big things it is absolutely a pyramid scheme and we have invested a lot into it i'll say that <laughs> yeah yeah i mean that that came from just a really natural place of people just annoying me like what are you what are we doing here you know like this cannot be we can't fix everything just admit and that's that's again an example of a bit that's kind of evolved like i i've told maybe five times since the special but i i've said in there like listen i understand it because it is fun to believe in magic and that's kind <laughs> of what it is you know it's uh, but i that's there are just certain things that societally, for whatever reason, we're like, ah, yeah, no, that's fine. You can you can believe that that'll comfort you in a time of mourning. Like, what? <laughs> you're asking too much of the oils here. <laughs> I like how a lot of your of the jokes here and in in that special, 
you know, like you're, you're able to really dial in on things that, you know, I guess the premises are a lot of stuff that everyone believes and everyone can agree on. Mm-hmm. But then you find a fun way to give a different angle to make it fun because it's not, I mean, dad bods. I mean, that's something that, man, there's a million dad bod jokes out there. There's a million right. people commenting on dad bods, but you found a fun, different way. Is there a, is there a strategy you use? Like, cause obviously you're, you're grabbing stuff that you see on social media and you're in your real life that you experience. Right. How do you, how do you find that, that twist on those things? How, do they, right. how does that come to you typically? Yeah, you do want to, to some extent, like, I can't do absurdist comedy. I'm not an absurdist guy. I don't, I love it. I'll watch it all day long, but I don't think like that. That's not who I am. Mm -hmm. So I do, you do want to bring up ideas that everybody has thought, not your punchline and not your take, but you do want people to resonate with the premise and the idea and feel it and be familiar, or I want that, I should say, with the angle or at least the topic at hand. And then I really do try, I just stop and ask myself, and I know this sounds like like very basic and almost a little cheesy. I really do just kind of strip down, like I try and remove any takes that I've heard of it and go like, how do I actually feel about this? Mm. And sometimes it's that simple because we are pretty funny and you do have a unique take. And sometimes if you just get ranting about your feeling, the words kind of come together for it, you know? Mm-hmm. And and that's what it was with like the dad bot thing. I'm like, of course you can be in good shape and be a good dad. Of course you can. But it takes an extraordinary amount of effort and time management. And that came from me working at a rec center where I would see dads who came right after school and went and put their kid in childcare for two hours while they worked out. And I was like, that's a bad father. <laughs> that's that you get that kid for like three to four hours a day and two of it you spend right there. That's just objectively bad parenting. Now, if you get up before them, if you can work out while they're in school, if you're taking if you're exercising on your time, not your time with them. Sure. Absolutely. But it is. <laughs> so and I people resonate with that idea because, I mean, it's it's not. Uh, it's not news that when you have kids, you get out of shape, you get tired. Like that's a, those are very statistically common ideas and tropes. So mm-hmm. when you feel that, and then when you can, and then, and that's where the actual creative writing comes in, when you can hit them with like the funny, uh, like shocking lines, you know, like, you know, those are just muscles that aren't hugging their kids. Like, well, that's the cleverness that comes mm-hmm. in that we can do that other people can't. But people are, as you're saying it, they're like, oh, yeah, that is crap. <laughs> like, <laughs> well, it's also interesting. I think a newer comic or a, a less experienced comic might have tried to bring in that experience. Uh, or, I mean, maybe you tried this and it didn't quite work out. But just to bring in that experience of seeing the guy come into the rec center, you kind of right. skipped over all that and got right to the punch to say, if you got muscles, those are just muscles not hugging your kid. Right, right. Because it didn't need to be there. You know, yeah. you just kind of, that is like, uh, that happens in comedy all the time where you start out and you're like, I got this hot new three minute bit. And they're like, no, I have a 15 second tweet. And now I got to get back to work. <laughs> well, let's let's do this, man. I'm not gonna let you have the hook on this one. Uh, we do our one last thing. It's our last question for you. It's called Last Laugh. Uh, 
so strange. Okay. So, uh, <laughs> so, uh, your, your last joke you can put on your tombstone. It could be yours. It could be somebody you really respect that are alive. What was, what's the joke you want to be remembered by? I, okay. So I'm going to go in a different direction here. If this is okay. Fine. This is a new idea that I've been working on. I constantly, uh, I want to do a bit about funerals and just dying in general. I think that there's a couple funny ideas to me. I think it's funny that we dress up at funerals. That's hilarious. <laughs> like we're mourning. Now you got to go put on a suit too. Like we were already sad enough. Just let me, I want to have like the first sweatpants only funeral, you know, like, like you better not. You know, like if, you, if you're showered, you can't come in. You know, like, so that, but I also, I'm like, a, you know, I, I'm always very apologetic about myself. Like I always feel like I'm a burden to people. And so I almost don't want to have a funeral because I'm like, ah, it's all a big fuss. We don't <laughs> like, so I want, I've thought about the punch of that, uh, that I would put on my, like, I, I don't want to be a burden to people. So I would put on my tombstone, like, sorry for dying. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, I know it's a big, uh, it's a big, you know. All apologies. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You had to go plan the thing and you had to get the coffin and that's all. I'm so, this is probably a big inconvenience to you. Like, my bad. So I, I would put sorry for dying. Perfect. Well, Dustin, this has been a, a lot of fun. Where can uh, where can people find you on the inter- internet? Uh, you know, just uh, just my name, Dustin Nickerson. Wherever you uh, wherever you consume content, yeah, just uh, Google that, it. That it's name not- will be there. That's uh, my Instagram handle, my Twitter handle. It's on Facebook, uh, YouTube, all that kind of stuff. The new special on YouTube overwhelmed uh but we didn't mention your podcast what's your podcast podcast is called don't make me come back there it's a funny podcast about family that i do with my wife every tuesday nice well thanks for hanging out with us today man really good stuff a lot of good takeaways for comics trying to work on their social media youtube and joke writing thanks for spending the time and uh, and hanging out with us today yeah right. thanks guys appreciate you having me thank you all for listening bye Thanks for listening to Breaking Down Bits. You can keep in touch or get more when you follow at Breaking Down Bits on social media. Visit the website BreakingDownBits.com or shoot us an email at BreakingDownBits at gmail.com.